So near the end of his life, it's the last of Jesus' living apostles who writes a story. And the story is about the life of Jesus. And the story that this apostle named John writes is really more than just a story. It's, it's actually his, his witness, his testimony, his last will and testament, you could even argue, of his experiences of following Jesus and learning who he is and what he was like and what he did and who he claimed to be. Jesus has a story. And Jesus invites us to be a part of his story. And John will write that by being a part of Jesus' story, we'll receive life, a new kind of life, a different kind of life, a better life in his name. So what I'd like to do with you this morning is tell you the next chapter in this story. Listen to this from John chapter 6. Sometime later, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he sat down with his disciples, and the Jewish Passover was near. Now when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, "'Where are we going to buy bread for all these people to eat?' He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to even have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, this is Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and, and a couple of fish. But I mean, come on, how far is that going to go? So Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there's plenty of grass in that space, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, and distributed to those who were scattered as much as they wanted and he did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them up and, and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is a prophet the prophet who has come into the world. But Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Pretty cool, huh? It goes on. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, and they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus didn't join them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, 
It's I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now the next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and went to Capernaum to look for him. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And listen to what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So they asked him, what do we have to do? What do we have to do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Believe on the one whom he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert as it is written. God gave them bread from heaven to eat. But Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It's not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it's my father who gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, sir, give us some of this bread. And here's when Jesus declared, I am the bread, the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up. I'll raise him up on the last day. Now at this, the Jews began to grumble. They began to complain about him because he said, I'm the bread of life that came from heaven. And so they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father has sent, who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him who comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert and they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven. 
which a man may eat and never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now at this, the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh. It's real food and my blood. It's real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread, he'll live forever. Now in hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And so he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And the story says that from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon called Peter answered. Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, Have I not chosen you? The twelve. Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Let me bring the story together. The word about Jesus is getting out. He was in Jerusalem, he went up to a pool where all these paralyzed and crippled and blind people used to remain, hoping beyond hope that somehow God would miraculously heal them. He goes up to a man. He says, do you want to be healed? The man makes a whole bunch of excuses. Jesus gets tired of hearing him, so he just says, get up. Just get up, walk, go. And the man miraculously gets up and walk. You know what? Word gets out about those kinds of things. That's kind of a hard thing to keep secret when it's done in a crowd. So all these people who have been hearing about Jesus, some of whom may have even witnessed it or known that guy, they start coming to him 
and mass. And here's Jesus out by the Sea of Galilee with thousands upon thousands of people rushing towards him, probably with questions like this, can he heal me too? Can he feed me too? Can he fix my problem? And with some little kid's lunch, he feeds over 5,000 of them. And the people are blown away. I love what they say. Did you pick it up in the story? Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. The prophet, the chosen one, the promised one, the one of ages past, the one who does the things of Elijah, the one who does the things of Moses, the one whom the power of God is upon. They saw it. They realized it. They saw that there was something different and something special about this guy, and they wanted more. But Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now, I love what happens in the story next. Nighttime comes. Not like nighttime around here where you can't tell the difference between day and night because there's so many lights on all the time. It's dark. You can hide. You can slip away. The disciples go down into a boat and you can almost hear them putting the oars into the water. Don't splash so much. Trying to make a silent getaway from all these people who are demanding more of them than they could ever give. They're trying to get to the other side of the lake. Jesus isn't with them. He comes later. He chooses to just kind of walk out on the lake himself. He does the whole water walking thing because really, why not? And the people wake up the next day and they start looking around. And he's nowhere to be found. And that's bad news if you know that this guy can fix your problems too. And so the search parties start going out. They start running around the lake. And you got to kind of keep in mind, we're not talking like Bangs Lake here or something like that, all right? I mean, this is a big lake. It's why they call it a sea. They start sending out in boats, start going around like, where did Jesus go? And they are relentless. And they finally find him and the disciples on the other side of the lake. Like, like, what do you say in that kind of face-to-face moment? Oh, we found you. I, I mean, like, I would love to know where the conversation picked up from there. Jesus, when did you get here? You could hear the subtext. And what are you doing here? Why did you leave us? Why did you run away? I thought you were my friend. <laughs> and look at what Jesus says to him. Look, very truly I tell you, which if he was to say it today would be like straight up. You're looking for me not because you saw the signs uh, that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You got something from me. You got something from me that you want. And the only reason you're here is because you want more. Don't work for food that spoils. What are you chasing this for? 
No, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's how Jesus likes to talk about himself, the Son of Man. How do you talk about yourself in the third person? I'm curious. Let me know. <laughs> which the Son of Man will give you? Because on him, on me, Jesus is saying, right? On him the Father has placed his seal of approval. You ever have these moments, Jesus says something and you don't quite get it? You know what that's called? Being human. <laughs> and if you ever find yourself in that place, you stand in a long company of people who didn't quite understand Jesus either. And they're kind of hung up on this whole thing. They don't really know what he's getting at. Like, like what's this food he's talking about? I mean, I get it, like we just ate, but like what's this like other food, this special food, this magic food? And they get hung up. And, and so they start kind of asking questions. Like, like so what do we got to do to get this food? Like, what, what does God want me to do so I can get more of what God is giving through you? Just tell me what to do. You ever come to church just going, just tell me what to do? Why do you got to talk for 45 minutes? Just tell me what to do. <laughs> If you've ever asked that question, you stand in a long line of company of people who said the same thing with the master. And so here's what Jesus says. Look, you want to talk works? You want to talk what you got to do? Okay, I can meet you there. This is what God wants you to do. Believe in the one he has sent. That's it. Believe in the one he has sent. What does God want you to do? Because I tell you, some of you are spending your life spinning your wheels, trying to crack the secret code of what you think it is that God wants you to do in order for you to get blessing from him. How do I get him to love me more? How do I get him to pay more attention to me? How do I get him to forgive me? How do I get him to let me into heaven? How do I get him to fix this problem? How do I get him to heal me? How do I get him to fill in your own blank? You ever find yourself in that wheel of motion? What do I have to do? Jesus has a way of cutting through this. Wait, 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 guys, wait. It's not about what you do. God is a God who loves to give gifts. Did you ask for the 5,000 loaves that I made or whatever kind of amount it was that fed you all? No, I just gave it because I love you. You want to talk? What do I got to do? Well, just meet me here at this. Believe in the one he has sent. Period. Does it sound too good to be true? Does it sound unbelievable to you? I get that. I get that. I love the crowd's response. Prove it. Prove it, they said. It's kind of making a big claim here. I don't think it does us any good this morning to soft pedal it. He's making a big claim about himself. That's a pretty audacious claim for a human being to make. Would you agree? Prove it as though walking on water, feeding 5,000, and healing a paralyzed guy to well for 38 years wasn't proof enough, but we, we play that game. Just one more proof, right? God, prove it. And then sometimes he shows up and he does. 
Oh, I guess I didn't really mean that like that was enough. I need like, prove it. And so here is Jesus' response. And I love it. This is pure Jesus. This is just beautiful. Eat me. (laughs) You think I'm making it up? Check it out. He doesn't let up. Like, like, you ever get in that kind of conversation with someone where they come back at you with something and it kind of like jars you and it's even kind of offensive and it even kind of bothers you, but instead of kind of like backing off, like letting some of the steam out of the valve, they just keep coming at you with it over and over and over again. He keeps pushing it. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Are we still talking metaphorically here? Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Are we feeling Jeffrey Dahmer yet? He's not done. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. It's like some vampiristic thing going on, and I will raise them up at the last day. He won't let off the steam, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. I'm messing with you here. Eat me. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Your ancestors ate manna and died. And that was something miraculous that God did back then. But you ain't seen nothing yet. Whoever feeds on this bread, you hear Jesus saying it, whoever eats me feeds on me. Well, that person... That person will live forever. They don't get it. And they start to get offended. Because that's what people do with Jesus. They get offended. And then they start getting torqued. That not only is Jesus saying something that's, that's quite honestly pretty disgusting in its own right and pretty outlandish and pretty crazy and pretty extreme, he even starts kind of saying like, yeah, you know, like all those miracles God did like way back when, like, you know, the miracles that define us back when God brought the people of Israel out, you know, through Egypt and he fed them miraculously. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, that's nothing. That's no big deal. I, I, I trump that hands, hands down, right? Who is this guy? And it says from that time on, many of his disciples, and catch this now, not many of the people, not many of the crowd, many of his disciples, many of the people who were devoted to him, followed to him, had claimed faith in him, that's the crowd we're talking about. Many of his disciples, it says, deserted him. Turn the back on him. Who can accept this teaching, they said. This is too much. Jesus, you have gone too far and they turned away. It happens today. All the time. People will see something in Jesus, something good that they want. 
and even experience in some kind of degree or fashion the deliverance of God, the salvation of God, the gifts of God, the signs of God. You give it whatever language you want, but you know what I mean, right? But as soon as it dries up and God starts making claims, they turn their back on him. Or they just kind of drift away. Because it reveals that oftentimes what we want is something from Jesus, not Jesus. Let me put it this way. Do you want him or just something from him? Or maybe I can put it this way. Are you following Jesus for the life he gives or for a free lunch? Because the reality is many disciples in this world who claim to be followers of Jesus are really just in it, I think, for the free lunch. It's so easy to come across someone like Jesus who promises such good things that, that, that oftentimes we are powerless in our own right to be able to achieve on our own or to get. And then to dare to come to believe that he might actually give them and then to experience maybe somewhat of the, 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 uh, being, becoming the recipients of actually getting those gifts. Sometimes Jesus gives us that free lunch. Jesus loves to give good things. And he does it generously. But there is a key difference in here this today. There is a key difference between wanting something from Jesus and wanting Jesus. And the difference between those two is the difference between whether the life that he offers becomes an ongoing reality. So how about you? Are you chasing this guy down because of what he gives you? Or are you chasing this guy down because you want him to be with him? Can I put it another way? Is Jesus enough for you without the free lunch? See, what Jesus invites people to do, the story that John is recording the story that he wants to tell, the story that he wants us to enter into is that we're not that much different from the stories of the people that we read. But the story that John wants to tell us is that Jesus comes to people of every stripe and variety, every background and way of life, every, every point of life, from the holy to the wicked, from the righteous to the bad, from the rich to the poor, from the churchy to the non-churchy. He comes to people of every walk of life and invites them to him, to a life with him, to be in him, and him in them as much as consuming food becomes a part of us. This is what John calls faith. 
or as Jesus will put it, believing in him. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a person alive today who doesn't believe that Jesus existed. You can read secular and atheist historians of every stripe and variety who will go, we know that this guy walked earth. If we could believe anything about antiquity, we've got to believe that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about by faith. There's a lot of us that believe that Jesus existed And there's some of us that even believe that what Jesus said is true. But there's still a distinction to be made between those who believe things about him and those who put their trust in him. Because Jesus is fundamentally making an invitation. An invitation for him to be with you and you to be with him, for him to be in you, and for you to be in him. He is fundamentally making an invitation to something more than just the free lunch. It's so easy to fall into the trap of coming to Jesus because of what we can get from him, be it something now or be it an insurance policy for life forever. But how often do we fall more in love with what we call the product than the one who is actually giving it? Now, Jesus invites us to something deeper and richer, a life with him. Not just the stuff he gives, a life in him. And he says it's there and only there that you will find this life that I am talking about, that John is obsessed with in his story. Jesus is offering a different life, a transformed life, a renewed life, a life so radically different that it can only be described as being born into something new. He calls it living water bread from heaven, and many more things we'll find as the story unfolds. But what's most important is that you realize that he's not just offering it to them. He's offering it to you because Jesus has a story, a true story. And he is inviting you to be a part of that story today. And that new chapter in a story with Jesus begins by accepting his invitation of a life in him and all that comes with it as we go with him on his way. That's the heart of this and the story John wants to share. So we commune today. And Christians have been doing this since the time of Jesus. It was Jesus himself who said, take and eat when he broke the Passover bread. This is my body given for you. It was Jesus himself who when he took the wine of Passover said, take and drink, all of you. This is my blood 
shed for you. Now make no mistake, in John chapter 6, Jesus isn't just talking about communion. That's not what this is a setup for. No, communion is a way that we remember and continue to come into that relationship of new again and again. If you're here today and you're seeing something in him that's going beyond the free lunch, Jesus invites you to come and start that new life with him. As you come and take this wine and eat this bread, know that God is looking to begin something different with you today. Band, you can come on up. I invite you to rise. Let's pray. And then we'll commune together. Lord, I think of my own relationship with you and how guilty I am of seeking you and searching for you and chasing you down because I want something. Look, Lord, you know these wants are real. They're important. And they matter. And because they matter to us, they matter to you. But Lord, how often am I guilty of wanting something from you more than wanting you. Lord, correct my heart. Forgive me, I'm sorry. And I ask this on behalf of everyone gathered here today who finds themselves in the same place. Lord, help us to fall in love with you, to want you, to be a part of you. regardless of the things you give. May that be enough and may it be good. And Lord, may you, well, transform us. By this life with you, change us, move us, change the inclinations of our heart and, and our thinking. Change our perspectives, our desires, even our will. Change our priorities. Come into it, we're inviting you as you invite us to life in you. May we experience the fullness of the life of the age to come that you offer. Nourish us, sustain us. God, we pray. Amen. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body. It's given for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. He took a cup after supper. He gave thanks. He gave it to them. He said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It's shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Come here. Come to me. Come and do this. It's Jesus' invitation. Hear him. Be with me. Welcome. Welcome to the table of the Lord.